Now, the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, happened in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophets, saying, Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. So that's it. That's the, no, not the end of my sermon. You wish, Jeff. <laughs> that's it. That's the end of the Christmas story from the Gospel of Matthew. That's the whole thing. It's not the version that most of us know. There's no angel appearing to Elizabeth or to Mary. There are no shepherds. There is no star. Mary doesn't sing her famous song. In fact, in this version of the story, she doesn't get any words at all. Instead, all the focus is on Joseph, a man who's full of sadness and confusion, but also somehow joy. We're told that Joseph is engaged to Mary, which meant something a little different than it does in our world today. Today, most people can choose to start and end engagements without much work or trouble, though that's not to say it's not a big deal, Colleen. But that's not how it worked in Joseph's culture. Back then, an engagement was a binding legal and social contract entered into by two families after a period of preparation and discussion and their version of background checks, and then a formal agreement. And Joseph's sadness comes from the fact that Mary has clearly broken that contract, broken trust, broken him. She's pregnant, and the child is not his, and as far as he knows, there's really only one way that can happen. So of course he's sad. This isn't what he had pictured. All the joy in preparing for the wedding, the excitement around starting a new life together, his dreams about family and the future, all that's gone now. Now he has to make some hard choices. Because according to the law, the punishment for Mary's apparent misdeeds is death. And Joseph doesn't want that. He's hurt, but he's not a monster. He still cares about Mary. 
So he decides that he's just going to end the engagement quietly and, and spare her the worst of the public humiliation. And then he has a dream. And not like a normal dream, a dream where an angel comes and tells him that he should still take Mary to be his wife, that the baby she's carrying is from God, that his name is going to be Jesus, a name which in Hebrew literally means God saves, that this baby is coming to deliver and save people from sin. Can you imagine having a dream like that? Can you imagine hearing something like that? How many questions you would have? How confused you would be? An angel? What? A baby from the Holy Spirit? What does that even mean? And oh yeah, this is all happening in a dream. So who knows if it's even real? So now Joseph has to make a decision, a huge decision based on a dream. A dream. If he sticks with Mary, that comes with a cost. But that's exactly what he decides to do. Our reading says Joseph was a righteous man, and so he's showing his faith and trust in God. But it's more than that. I told you that he's a man who's filled with deep joy. He didn't just wake up from that dream confused. He woke up full of joy even though he was confused, even though things were a mess, even though the future had just gotten a lot messier and more complicated, within Joseph there is now an unquenchable, undeniable, and unrelenting joy because the angel had told him who the baby was. This baby was God coming to earth. This baby was Emmanuel a word which in Hebrew means God with us, the same name given to our congregation almost a hundred years ago as a reminder of who Jesus is and what God has promised us. During my first year of seminary, we all had to take a class on pastoral care. And most of us, including me, had no idea what we were doing. John, I'm sure that wasn't the case when you were in seminary. You were fully prepared, right? And you just nailed it. But for my class, and especially for me, we had no idea what we were doing, though we did know what we wanted. What we truly wanted, deep down in our souls, was to be the kind of pastors who cared for God's people with love and with empathy and with wisdom one day we were talking about all the situations that people face, situations that pastors are invited into to provide care and encouragement. And usually it's not the best times. Usually it's during times of crisis, when things are hard, when people are full of fear or sadness. And we talked about what we could say to people in those situations. And just as importantly, what we could not say. We could not promise the person who had just been diagnosed with cancer that they would be miraculously cured. Or tell the person who was grieving that it was all part of some master plan that would make sense soon and then they'd magically feel better. We could not promise the person in legal trouble that God would 
fix it and get them out of their problems? Or promise the terrified parent that their fears would not come to pass? Or declare to the person experiencing trials and hardship that, boom, now all that was going to end. What we could tell people was that they were not alone and that God was with them. And I remember one of my classmates was so frustrated by this. He started yelling and he said, is this really the best we can offer people? The best our faith can do? Is this really all that we can tell them? That God is with them? Because that feels pretty inadequate. And I remembered his words because sometimes I share that frustration. Sometimes what I can offer as a pastor does feel inadequate. And most of us, at some point, want more from God than just a promise to be with us. We want God to intervene. We want God to do something. We want God, a God who's more like a superhero, who will step in and just stop the bad things before they happen. Or a God who's more like a genie who does what we want, who performs miraculous deeds and gets us out of bad situations. And if you listen, there are lots of people out there who claim to speak in the name of Jesus and who tell you your life can be that way. That if you just get this faith thing exactly right, and of course, buy their newest book and give a one-time gift of just $59.99, you'll get that superhero God, the genie God. And following Jesus will just mean physical health, financial wealth, and worldly blessings. But that's not how God works. That's not what God has promised us. As one of my favorite theologians put it, it's not the God of the New Testament who promises wealth, health, comfort, and ease to his chosen ones. That's just me getting it wrong. What is true is that in knowing God, we have a wealth that outshines anything money can give or buy. That in trusting Jesus, we know a peace that reaches beyond our present circumstances and a life beyond our finite mortal bodies. That in living according to God's way, we do experience blessing in unexpected places. These things are true. But God's people have never been immune to trial or tribulation, never spared from suffering or struggle That is not what God has promised us. But God has promised to be with us. And over time, I've come to see just how powerful the promise of God with us, the promise of Emmanuel, the promise of presence really is. We say it all the time in our sermons, don't we? God is with you. And we ask in our prayers, just this past Friday at our property meeting, one of us prayed for God to be with us. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that God is co-signing all of our decisions, or that God supports our every action, or that God is somehow on your team and your side and not on someone else's. It simply means this. God's not leaving.
no matter what. It's the result of God's strange commitment to our stubborn world. It's the profound truth that God has not and will never give up on humanity, that God has not and will never give up on you. That no matter where you walk today, God is walking with you. No matter what you're going through, God knows what it's like because God's desire to be with you was so great that he came to this earth to experience humanity, which means that God has been there and can identify with our struggles and so draws even closer to us. We cannot dismiss and we should not underestimate the incredible power of someone's presence the sacred and holy gift of someone just being there. The way that being present communicates to someone that they are seen, they are cared for, they are loved and valued and connected and remembered, and they are not alone. Today, I think I would tell my classmate that, yes, this is the best we have to offer. God with us, Emmanuel And that God's promise to be with us always is a powerful and profound and sacred thing. I know that, and so do you. Because we've all experienced what it's like, the difference it's made when during a time of need, someone has been there for us. Not leaving, not even speaking, just there. I know this because this week I told a member of our church I want you to know you're not alone. God is with you and I'm here with you too. And you could feel the power and the sacredness of that moment. We know that the power and the promise of God with us can transform. Just look what it did for Joseph. It gave him a deep joy that sustained him even though he was confused that got him through even though life felt like chaos, that gave him direction even though the future was now unknown. He could face all of it because he'd heard the glorious whisper of God's good news that through this child, Emmanuel, with every heartbeat, he remembered God is with us. And that, my dear beloved friends, really does change everything. O come, O come, Emmanuel. In strength and beauty, come and stay. Teach us your will and guide our way. Rejoice, rejoice. Amen.